Hello and welcome back to the Regenerative Mystic Podcast by Brave School, an institute of dreaming for wild-hearted creatives and entrepreneurs. My name is Daje and I am your host. I'm so excited to bring you another episode, this one with one of my favorite human beings on the face of the planet, Teo Montoya. Teo is a human design analyst, a metamodern mythmender, and an indigenous futurist. His work focuses on the intersections of individual growth and healing, reconfiguring kinship, and deep relationality for an emerging global collective in crisis. He supports individuals in creating a personal myth that contextualizes their gifts, healing, ancestry, meaning, spirituality, and purpose in a land-based ecology of reciprocity. He also gives human design readings, of which I've gotten to partake, and y'all, it really shook up my life in the best way. I loved my reading with Teo Montoya, and if you have a chance, definitely head to the link in our show notes and book a session with him. It will rock your world. He also teaches human design readers in a comprehensive training program with Jess Fields. In this episode, Teo and I go all over the map talking about community, talking about reciprocity. We're talking about all of the things that I believe really matter in life, including vulnerability and being open and finding the courage to show up to the hard things, show up to the hard work sometimes and show up to the experience of change with your whole heart inside of you. So if you're ready to get just a little bit emotional, if you're ready to talk about all the things that really matter, you're going to love this episode. You're going to love what Teo has to say about all of these things that I just mentioned. And definitely if you are resonating with this episode, if you're resonating with what we are talking about here let us know in the reviews. Let us know in the ratings. We want to hear from you. And plus, it helps other people to find this episode of the Regenerative Mystic Podcast. Can't wait for you to listen. On to the episode. I mean, I think community for me is is huge right now. Um, I think I entered into the human design space and Instagram space and, uh, you know, working in that space and there was always such a disconnect for me and my clients, you know, over space and, um, and in human design, I'm also somebody who's here for deep, intimate connection. It's really what's built mm-hmm. into my design. And, um, yeah, it's just, it really caused me a lot of difficulty because I never felt like I could show up fully as myself, yeah. um, nor could I actually say what I wanted to say. There was so, I was doing, I was taking so much like care and I had a lot of fear about how I showed up because I was like, what if I hurt a client? What if I say something wrong? What if I do something wrong? And now I'm just like, yeah, that's going to happen. But when we're in community, when we're in relationship, Mm -hmm. we can repair, we can move past it, we can, we can step through it. And um, Mm -hmm. it's just becoming like really important for me, creating sort of exclusive spaces and and I just feel myself moving towards that. And community where I live in Santa Fe has just blown up in the last mm-hmm. month. It's just like that's men's crazy. groups, different things. So it's like for me, I'm like, it's the way. Like that's all there is to it is I don't want to see somebody one time ever. I want yeah. if I'm going to work with somebody. I want to work with them multiple times. Community is a huge thing. I feel like I've kind of always felt like the outsider in community and like also have these like strong desires to like 
be a part of something that's bigger than me. And I don't really know where I'm going with that thought. I think I'm just like voicing it, you know, like is it's just like this human desire to be like intricately connected with people and to be a part of a family in a sense. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I think I feel similarly. Um, I always had lots of great friends, but as far as, you know, I've been sitting a lot with um, really being understood. And, and of course yeah. we can only be so understood, you know, like there's, there's always going to be where we're a person and then the person there's going to be a interface there. But um, I think that that is that seeking of community and that seeking of being part of something larger, I think is just so incredibly natural Mm-hmm. At, as a human and and I, and that's where I just think of the term of belonging and belonging is not just your last name or anything like that it's like a whole web of yeah. meaning and connections and you know I'm I'm really leaning into belonging to place and to yeah. uh, other than human kin and um yeah when you say that I, I feel the the like rawness there and the, and the collective rawness there. I think there's so many, so many of us that are like, I want community. I want connection. Yeah. And yeah, this modern world is not, um, it's doesn't, doesn't like to do that, especially in America. Individualism is like, whoosh, you know, that's the way. And um, yeah. So I just, I feel, I feel the collective sort of grief under what you're sharing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like even in like spaces like this, right, where you, you know, like we connected over the internet, like mm-hmm. just the work that we're doing is like really resonant to each other. And even that feels like really vulnerable of like, oh, somebody sees my work. Ooh, that makes me want to hide. Like, even though I'm like out here, you know, there's not really much hiding I can do. I'm like spending money to be out here, like have a website, have all the things. And it's still like so tender and like so vulnerable to like be witnessed, you know, and like to be called forward in the work and not even just the work, but in like the, the human experience. Yeah, I I think that's been my biggest edge for me is um, I'm an Enneagram four through and through, and I, I don't <laughs> want to come off sounding like too much of like an emo kid or something, but like being being truly understood is one mm-hmm. of these things of um, that I work with so many people and they're brilliant and it's awesome, but do I actually feel like they understand the work that I do or where I'm coming from or just yeah. see some nugget of essence that I hold? Yeah. And um I'm realizing that that's mostly on me. It's not actually a bunch on them. It's mostly on me not having like, what do I need to be resourced with so that I can actually show up? I got uh, a stellium in Leo, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and moon. (laughs) (laughs) I would never consider myself very Leo, but now it's like, okay, it's time to claim that and to show up with it. And um the second I did that, it was just a, a signature shift at the beginning of this year in January sometime. It was like people just started dropping in. Yeah. People just started being like, oh, oh, he's here. He's doing the things. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it took so much work for me to be able to do that though. Like I can't even explain what I had to move through to be actually able to, to bring that forward. But the second I did that, I also started seeing it in other people. Mm-hmm. I started sort of being able to go, oh, this is what's really underneath what you're saying. That's why I think I reached out to you. I was like, I still don't know all the work you do, but I hear the resonance. I don't even I know the- all the work I do. <laughs> <laughs> like we're in the same boat here. Yeah. <laughs> but that but that resonance was coming through your words and through what you're sharing. And I was like, we, we have to connect. We have to stay connected. That's just all there is to it. You know, so what do we have to do to, to do that? Mm-hmm. You know? Absolutely. I love, I think that's so funny about the stellium in Leo. I've been doing a lot of work with my Leo placements recently. I have quite a few conjunct placements, um, which for me are all about like coming out of hiding. Like I have my son, Gemini, conjunct in the ninth house with my south node in Gemini. I have, which is like really painful, <laughs> so painful. Uh, also, I have my Leo, I think in the 11th house, conjunct with Chiron and Leo. Mm-hmm. And then also Neptune and Uranus are conjunct in um, Capricorn, I think in the fourth house. Yeah. And there's just like a lot there of like, is it safe? Like very much like me at five years old with my thumb in my mouth and a book in my hand and like hiding behind my mom's skirt. And I still feel that way in regards to everything, you know, it was like, how do we move through this fear? I hate to say it, but this fear of being seen, this fear of being witnessed, this fear of being recognized, um, this fear, like the fear of like being in, like being witness in the human experience, whatever big, you know, fancy philosophical terms you want to put around it. What I feel is like a lump in my throat and like a, like a, like ping in my heart. Like, like, do we have to do this part? Uh, and like, this is like the one thing that I want the most is just to be in, like, to relate, to be in relating, you know, activity. <laughs> um and it's so terrifying. What is your relationship with like relating? I feel like this is something that like I asked you to like just intuitively was like, I would love for you to talk about this inside of Building Brave. And I just feel like you have a lot of wisdom around it. So I would love to hear from yeah. you. Um. Yeah. And, and I just want to name too, like I definitely had a lot of emotion come up from what you're saying about just being seen. And I think that has everything to do with relating, you know, <laughs> that when um, we feel safe enough to be seen, that's the only time that we actually feel safe enough to relate authentically. You know, yeah. we have all these structures and, you know, um, I'm, I'm kind of doing a deep dive into parts work and IFS stuff. And we have all these protectors and fire parts and they can relate just fine. How's it going today? Yeah. How are you doing? You know, they can do the small talk, they can do all the stuff, but they're not actually relating from that truth of this is who I am. And I'm aware who I am on my sleeve. And I think I've always, um, with the being seen thing, you know, I think we go two ways. We either 
really hide ourselves or become almost reactionary, like off-putting on purpose so that we don't have to deal with the pain of actually relating, which means that there might be disconnect, Yeah, you know? And so when I think of relating um, overall, I feel so deeply into safety. And then again, back to this question of belonging. Mm -hmm. If we don't feel like belonging is the foundation of worthiness, if we don't have a sense of belonging, there's no reference point for me to be, I'm a worthy human being. Mm -hmm. My body's worthy. My soul's worthy. My mind's worthy. My heart's worthy. We can't even know that if we don't have a context, if we don't have something to measure that by. And I don't know if I like the term measure, but it, we need a, it needs a reference point. Yeah. And so when I think of being seen mm-hmm. and belonging and relating to me, it's like, we have to get that base of belonging to, to even step towards true relating and relating in this way where I know who I am. I know my self-worth and I'm going to show up as I am. You're going to show up as you are. And it's going to be messy. We're going to miss each other. Uh, you're not going to like me sometimes. I'm not going to like you sometimes, yeah. but we have a base in a belonging that keeps us connected. And that to me is where land is just so I'm, I, it feels too simple to say my mind, I'm Gemini sun and Gemini Mercury. I'm like, I don't even want to say it cause it seems too simple, but we have to belong to a place. Mm-hmm. And that really has to be the, that feeling of belonging. If I belong to this, this land, to this corner of the street, to these, to this neighborhood, that alone is to me the basis of what allows us to even begin to relate. And when we're living in a modern world where we literally are stripped of our collective communal relational identities so that we may become individualized uh, profit machines for marketing companies, Good you know, and, and again, it's just it is how it is. But when we are individualized, we can be sold our, our individuality, we can be sold our identities. And then our belonging comes to the corporation, to the brand, to the school, to the state, the country, the nation, one of those things. And it's just like, that, if that's the mode of our belonging, and our relating and our connection, one, it's never actually connecting us to our true essence or true self. Two, we forget this hundreds of thousands of years long legacy of belonging to land, to place, to our other than human kin, to the trees, to the animals, to the animals under the earth, the water, the sky, all those things. We forget that. We have no, there's no reference point for that. And I think a big shift in my work is like, how do we reclaim a context that provides us with a solid foundation of belonging? and a deep connection to our essence, to our truth, to our authenticity, true emotions, true gifts, all of those beautiful things that we're given and blessed with, and then show up to relation. And then when you show up to relation, the questions of meaning, purpose, what am I here for? Where am I going? Those aren't even questions anymore. The path is like, yeah, my community's hurting. I have skills that can provide for that community we're relating. That's what it is. They feed me. I take care of them. Boom. We're done. We're in the reciprocal way of being. Wow. So good. I like everything you said. It's just like, I'm just like letting it seep in because I feel like 
it's really easy for me to talk about this stuff and like pontificate on it and also just like to hear it back is like that's it that's it that really is it it's it can be it's it's I don't want to say it can be simple I mean it can be simple right it really can be and because we are so complex it's oftentimes not simple we have to like move with these parts like I love internal family systems. I think it's such a beautiful modality and um, it's such a beautiful metaphor for us bringing ourselves back into the whole um, as creatures. It's so interesting to like relate to the other than human world even and see that even it's just like there's nature, but then there's also like oxygen which is nature but there's also like (laughs) you know like there's also like creating these consensual relationships with the guides and our ancestors like how do they want to relate to us like we're always like like in this consumptive relationship with all of our resources that like we don't even stop sometimes like pause and be like does this guide even want to support me in this project? Do they just want to like go to sleep for the rest of eternity? Like, does this, (laughs) does this like archetype in my chart even care about, you know, my corporeal needs or do they want to relate to me in some other way? And like creating this like consensual dynamic with even ourselves and are more than human parts is such a beautiful pathway into like, I feel like making this model in community. And I I just don't even know what it looks like anymore, to be honest. Like, you know, most people have friends, right? And what I've been learning from my friend group, and you can tell me if you, this resonates with you, is like a lot of my friends want that, like, bridge millennial dream of like getting some land and like living together, but nobody's making moves toward that. (laughs) People are just trying to survive at their day jobs right now and figure out how to like, you know, not get caught up in the raising of rent prices and like, you know, how to make a little bit more money to meet that. It's the very body oriented needs and survival needs that are taking place right now. And this dream of being together is like almost like vapor. Yeah. I, um, mm, there's so much richness in what you said, but with that last part, yeah, I think all of my friends hold, hold something similar. And there's this very fine line between tuning towards spiritual systems, um, anti-establishmentarianism ideology, you know, ideologies mm-hmm. and, and escaping the reality of the complexity of what we're in, Yeah, you know? And um, I, I do feel cautious about that. Sometimes I, it's, it's just so, it's so difficult because it's like they, my assumption is that so many people want 
to step away from society as it is because it's not serving them. It's not supporting them. And -hmm. at the same time, I'm like, just like, oh my God, but, but we need you there. Like we Mm -hmm. need you in society fixing like healing. Yeah. And, but you can't always do that directly from there, you know? And so I'm, I'm bringing that up because yeah, that, that is the dream to hold community in such a way and to, to be in deep relationship with place and with people and hold counsel and bring forth these things that are our human, um, like birthright is like what we are here for, what we evolved for, how we were meant to be in relationship with each other. And um, I'm very wary of just negating everything. There's so many gifts in the turmoil, chaos, sickness of modernity. There's so many things there that are, there's even gifts in individualism. I I even, an individuality. And Mm. um, I think that the evolution of our consciousness, necessitates individualist being on some level you know mm-hmm. and how do we bring it all back and how do we bring it to there so mm-hmm. that that vapor quality to me is again there's this 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 feeling of that becomes the dream mm-hmm. because there's no context or cosmology or web of meaning or anything that allows them to feel good where they're at and to feel like that the work they do is purposeful. And also the reality that sometimes work's not purposeful and it's shitty. I've worked in IT tech, you know, I didn't feel like I was making a difference at all. Didn't satisfy my soul. Um, But there is this, I have a question of how can we invite folks who are on that edge, who desire more to not just maintain the distancing, extractive, um, contrarian way of being, you know, because that separates them even more from the lived humanity that we're in this whole messy thing together. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, how can we support these folks that have these gifts that are rising up? They go, I want something different for myself. Beautiful. Yeah. How can we support them? so that they can build a web of context and meaning and cosmology and connection to place. But they don't do that by oftentimes when you're in the survival scramble, we got to get onto the land. There's still this extractive Western mode underneath it kind of going like, we got to get there and we're going to just be self-sufficient and we're going to do all of this stuff. Um, (sighs) And the same thing with spiritual teaching, people turn towards spiritual spaces and just want to to take from it because they're in survival mode. They're like, please give me something that makes me feel good. Yeah. And so, yes. And you said it, you said it yesterday with the like, how do we build the resource to hold complexity? Yeah. How do we build the the somatic resource to actually be able to hold all of that instead of just pushing away or going towards some vaporous way of being? Mm. I have this like secret affection for founders. Mm. It's not really even like secret, but it is kind of like something that I'm like, what is, what's that? What is that? Like I'm talking about like tech startup founders, people who are like boots on the ground. like, they almost like see themselves in a war. And like, Mm. I see them as like building the world 
Mm. I mean, not every tech startup, but you know what I mean? Like folks who like venture capitalists, like I like have this like secret affection for like, oh, like you have this like whole vision that you are building and there's some who are building it for themselves because they it's interesting to them and then some who are building it because everything in them aches to heal the world you know and like entrepreneurs like I have this like affection for entrepreneurs because it's like oh you're just using like every all of your resources to like and heal the you're healing the world with it in a sense like in a sense you know for some in many senses, but, and I recognize that that doesn't necessarily like weave into this whole, um, I don't know, we got to like strip electricity from our homes and go back to like peeing in the woods every day and, you know, screw Apple. We don't need MacBooks kind of spirituality living experience and I'm like please don't ever touch my MacBook like do not ever (laughs) ship this away from me (laughs) um like it's just seeing this like need for like people who are designing the world who have like a design lens on the world and I know that this is something that you like think a lot about like you know you've you've presented this term metamodernism to like my world. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about what that means as like a term, but I think like, I think we're already talking about it in a sense, but I would love for you to just kind of share what you, what you feel like that means to you. I think this context is, is perfect. So, so metamodernism is all about oscillation it's not about the modern idealism that's like we're going to change the world and Loki that's all founded on white supremacy but we're going to go change the world and we're going to build society and it's all going to be all these things and it's going to be great and God has her back manifest destiny all of these things and science mm. is going to change the world technology is going to change the world they have and also yeah. their roots are deeply flawed and then there's the postmodernism, which is the kind of era we're in now, which is really began in the 60s with the social reform and revolution and liberation mindsets and, and going, let's deconstruct all of these very specific uh, structures of power. We need to deconstruct them. We need to pull them apart. And there's a lot of righteous anger and rage that's underneath that, that is in, imbuing it with power and fecundity to do that project and it's necessary and at one point I think it's um I heard it through Adrian Marie Brown and I don't know if it was Audre Lorde or not but what happens to the like what happens to the oppressed when they're no longer oppressed right where do we go once things are completely dismantled and and how much of that archetypal energy of dismantling where does that start to go awry? Mm. You know, where is it self-defeating? Where is the want for liberation actually meet a dead end of, but we also need to build something together. Yeah. And that's really where metamodernism steps in. And it has, um, and it's about the oscillation between the two. It's about pragmatic idealism. 
It's about being rooted deeply in. We can't be existing in structures of power that um, hurt a huge amount of, of humanity, hurt our, our planet, right? We can't exist that way. It's not going to work. We're not going to go very far. And we still have to be ideal. We still have to be thinking about ways that we can structure the world and um, build as a global society because we are a global society now and, and, and move towards that. So it's all about metamodernism is about dealing with the complexity of that, that there's no black and white thinking, there's no this or that or two-party political systems. It's like, it's 10 times more complex, you know? And I always say, I, I love me a good conspiracy theory. It's a fun thought experiment, but I'm like, it's always more complex than that. It's mm -hmm. always more complex than just some evil dictator. It's always more complex than, than just some alien race doing something. Like there's just so much more to it. Mm -hmm. And, and that complexity is what metamodernism is sitting in. It's the and, uh, both and, and to oscillate between them, when we oscillate between being very pragmatic and, um, you know, and idealistic or sincere and ironic or subjective and objective, something in the middle emerges. It's like those little, uh, um, what do they call it? You know, you can like spin a card and one side's a bird and one side's a cage and mm -hmm. you spin it. And then together they come together and they form a whole picture. Right? Mm -hmm. So that oscillation allows something new to emerge. And my big thing is, of course, the metamodern community is mostly white men that are mm -hmm. philosophical, PhD, you know, amazing minds doing great work. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's just some things that they have complete blind spots in. And that to me is kinship, that is relation to land, that is deep, pragmatic, modern animist sensibilities. You know, there's only a few people who are really doing this animist sensibility and they're not just trying to go live in the woods and yeah. be complete sort of primitive skills type people, but people who are really going, dealing with the world, but still holding on to that animist sensibility of being mm -hmm. deeply connected with the natural world. Mm -hmm. um, but yes. I want to take one, yeah, one step back and say that the point of the where we are with metamodernity is there's a meaning crisis and there's a meta crisis. The meaning crisis exists in the meta crisis. The meta crisis is this whole thing, the, mm -hmm. the, the globe, the collapse of ecosystems, um, political collapse. And then the meaning crisis is what we as individuals are trying to solve the cycle, cycle, uh, mental health crisis. It's, you know, depression, anxiety, suicide, just through the roof, right? Mm -hmm. Why are we here as human beings? what the hell do we wake up every day for, <laughs> right? When you don't have a question, you don't have an answer to that, or you don't have a very good answer to that, mental health problems make 100% sense. They make sense. They, there's a reason they are there. They are part of us trying to call us back into something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Something's deeply wrong. So working within metamodernism sort of foundation, we are trying to build meta narratives. We are trying to build these ideas that can work globally, that help us consider ourselves as whole human beings deep, and in my case, deeply rooted in the earth in a, in a not like romanticized way. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't sure you can dance naked around a fire. That's fun. <laughs> and I enjoy that myself, but like, but also how do we do that? Um, not in just a romanticized way, but in a truly like, I am doing this 
as prayers yeah. for the earth that yes. imbue my spirit with yes. power, with capacity, with that warrior connection and rage that I can go mm-hmm. out in the world and do something. Mm-hmm. And so creating meta narratives is about creating stories for the world. Mm-hmm. So, and we are completely devoid. What's our story? Get a nine to five job, mm-hmm. build a family, can't afford the house. You know, like it, we don't have stories for being because we've been individualized and stripped from our cultural context, our place-based context. We've been urbanized. And in the case of indigenous folks in my tribe, we've been, you know, force relocated and separated and urbanized and all these different things. Like we are being stripped of our cosmologies and our context. Meta narratives are, we need new meta narratives for the world as it is to help us bring us back into context. And then there's the belonging relationality piece that starts to show up in that too. I love this. I love this. I, you know, what you just said about like, you know, cultivating relationship with dirt (laughs) is, and it not being like this romantic, you know, like fairy tale. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's work. It is work. Um, and I started feeling and like feeling this for myself. I mean, I feel like I've always had this like relationship with work where like, you know, I like overwork or I just value sweat labor for some reason. And please don't tell activists about that. Cause like, I don't want to be canceled for not you know, napping for my whole career or, you know, being a nap goddess. I don't know. There's like, I try to be really careful about, I got called out about this by someone who I trust is like a spiritual mentor and friend. She's like, you're really judgmental actually. And it's uh, like, it's draining your sacral energy and get it together. (laughs) She's like channeling that from my guides. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. <laughs> but like, you know, I like, I, it's never resonated with me. This like nap goddess queen who like works from bed for all hours of all of my work days. Like I really, I love gardening and I love like the work of gardening. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, emptying a bag of cow manure or whatever, or getting it delivered. However, you know, whatever your sauce is, I'm not trying to lick it up for you. You do what you do, but like emptying cow manure into the garden and then like emptying dirt into the garden and mixing it up with like eggshell, like that is alive for me, that kind of thing. I like it. And it's like labor, (laughs) it's stress on the body. Um, it calls for something else. And when people were talking about new paradigm stuff, I was like, I was loving that conversation. But what I love the most about like what I see in a new paradigm kind of thing is not like that romantic, like, oh, you know, like in the new earth, you know, everybody loves God. It wasn't that conversation. It was for me, what I see is like, the new earth, the new paradigm calls us to have our, it will find us with our hands in the soil, cultivating, cultivating, making something else new, like making something else (laughs) and not just like 
temp taking the template that we already have and like glossing it up in glitter um and goddess mythology yeah <laughs> don't tell anybody <laughs> i'm just kidding so I, I think you know maybe it's a very gemini quality and <laughs> it has its own internal harms but that judgment too is an evaluation of what is actually valuable mm-hmm. what is needed here you know and when you talk about this stuff like oh i'm so there with you i, I was so afraid of showing up to the spiritual wellness space, even though I love this human design system, I felt like I was always trying to, you know, as both in it and also going, being critical of it. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I couldn't even show up because I've had so many of these judgments of like, there's so much privilege. There's so m- many things. And I'm like, are you even seeing this picture? You know, I didn't bring my in- indigeneity and where I come from to the space at all until this year. Because um, I was just like, I don't want to be romanticized. I don't want any sort of projections. I, yeah. You know, so there's so much noise and performative stuff out there. And of course there is. Mm-hmm. We are trying to figure it out. These are people trying to figure it out. Yeah. They're trying to go, this, this system's, whatever I'm in is not working for me. Mm-hmm. But then again, to bring in the complexity and the nuance and the shadows that sort of hide that from, from our you know, working, being with it, it's there. And, and I'm, you know, it's, it's funny, human design wise, we both have uh, 54 and some of the outer planets. So like ambition is a big part of who we are. Mm-hmm. Ambition is really important. And um, I definitely feel the same. Like I, I, we need people to work. The new paradigm is not just effortlessly manifesting money. The new paradigm is, <sighs> it's just like, doing some really hard work while also being in deep communities of care and belonging and connection Mm. that we're resourced to do that. Yeah. We are not going to flip this world around and the complexity of the situation and 100% it's bypassing. It is. And it's okay. If somebody doesn't have the resources to face reality as it is, they don't have them. We can't force it on them. That's traumatizing. Yeah. But yeah, when I see people using terms like manifestation and, um, you know, just wanting to bring money in. I'm just like, can we just call it what it is? It's, it's, it's manipulation. And that's what we do as human beings. We manipulate, we manipulate the earth. We manipulate each other to get our needs met. Not a problem. If we're in deep communities of care and Mm -hmm. relation, it's like, of course, I'm going to build these tools up and support my community with them and receive everything that I need. But there's, I care about the people that I'm doing it with. Yes. You know, so when I look at like spiritual business, I didn't even want to touch it because I couldn't see it in a space where I was like, without just being like, oh, I'm just extracting from people all the time. And of course I am. I'm receiving money and what are they getting back? (sighs) Right. They're getting something of value to them. But that's my interest is that when there's deep relationality, when there's deep connection, that, that whole sort of weird disconnect doesn't make sense because the reality is if you if you're connected with somebody and you take advantage of them yeah. guess what they're going to get right in your face and go hey you took advantage of me yeah i don't like that yeah but guess what we're still connected so we got to sort this out yeah we got to figure out how are we how are we going to how are we going to get even how are we going to scratch each other's back correctly this time mm-hmm. and i'm not 
exiling you. This is where transformative justice sort of steps in these ideas mm-hmm. of like, how do we stay in relationship? Yeah. And so when you're talking about that, I'm like, yeah, like we, the only, yeah, new, I hate the new paradigms being aggressive now, but the new paradigm <laughs> concept, I don't, use that term. <laughs> I don't use that term because people have all of these connotations with it. And I'm like, but I deeply believe in the new earth, which means that we are rooted in place that we choose to not globalize and urbanize mm. because it feels better to be connected to smaller communities. Yeah. And we're deeply technologically advanced, medicinally advanced. Yes. We even find deeper and, and um, yeah, the, the, those are all things. And, and this is where the indigenous futurist work comes in of, Yes. How do we reclaim our right as mm-hmm. technologists, as tool builders, as seeing technologies as this iPad full of sacred minerals and materials yes. as a gift and as a vehicle and as a, a tool of bettering ourselves, bettering the earth, bettering one another and, and, and supporting our kin? What if we turned all of these extractive industries and provided them towards life-giving, generative cosmologies? So when I wield this, I'm not manipulating and extracting from other people. I wield this in betterment for the earth as I, as the best as I can know it, yeah. betterment for my community and all those things. So yeah, to me, the new paradigm is a lot of work. It's a ton yeah. of work. I don't believe anybody snapping there and just doing the right dance on social media to receive yeah. what they, they want. That That's privilege. That's, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Good. That's a responsibility. How are you going to wield that responsibility? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I like, I feel like I have this experience, like, you know, after you speak, I'm like, I'm usually the talkative one and I like, ha- I don't have anything else to say. Yes. But yes. <laughs> I yes, absolutely. Um, this, <sighs> have you heard of the book or like, the term or concept of nurturance culture. There's this book that I stumbled upon called The Emergence of Nurturance Culture that talks about um, like, I mean, it's about relating for sure, but it's about like mediation in a sense of like, well, what happens when one part of the whole is disregarded and disrespected? And this is like a case study that was done in the school that is like embod- like embodying or like integrating this practice of nurturance culture. Like they don't have like hierarchies that punish or administer punishment. It's like the children in the school, they're like 10, you know, and, and they are the ones who are, are, they're like the correction officers, so to speak, big quotation marks because I don't think they refer to themselves that way but they are the ones who are the tuning forks and their practice when someone is harmed is to go directly to the person who harmed another and to just hold space and ask why and get down to what's going on on a deeper level and they're like trained to do this and to treat each other this way in like grace and nurturance. 
And I've been asking myself, especially like in the last season, I feel like I go through season by season. I just ask questions for some reason. And it just is like a sundial for some reason. Like it kind of works that way. But last season, I was just like, what does it look like to design cultures of nurturance and and grace, graciousness toward each other, you know, Um, where relating isn't like this unregulated experience of you can do whatever you want and treat others however you want, but there's like this innate understanding and this innate like ability to opt in or opt out of being treated or exchanged with in a certain way. Yeah. So I haven't heard of this nurturance culture, but it's very similar to, um, there's a book on metamodern, metamodernist politics called the listening society. Mm. And and the, the difficulty with this is that people are at different developmental stages. That does not mean people are more smart than others or that people are, you know, this is not a hierarchical grading of individuals, but the reality is that there's people who have tools, there's people who have deeper connections to their emotional states, and there are different levels of development. And so (sighs) this is like something that I'm sitting in is if if I'm with somebody and they're not able to hold the emotional truth of the room or what what's going on they're just not at that that level yet and that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing they have they maybe they're super ex- extremely intelligent in other arenas or just have different things but is can can i actually trust them to hold the complexity of the situation of what's really yeah. going on to get below yeah. beyond the surface sort of emotions if I can't trust them to do that, then I'm, I'm, it's really hard for me to lean in and go, let's like lean in and, and let's do some nonviolent communication. Let's figure like, out what's, what's going that? on here. <laughs> they have to know what that is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And they have to be healed enough mm-hmm. to realize those. And this is where the IFS stuff comes in. Are they existing 90% of the time in a protected mode Yeah. where they are, everything they're doing is sort of a reactionary thing that's kept them safe. Good. I'm so glad it kept them safe. But how can I be in relationship with that Yeah. without, without stepping in as a teacher, a healer or something else first? Yeah. And this is where I feel it's so unique and beautiful to connect with people who are at a similar, where they can just hold you exactly where you are. You're not adjusting to them or, or something along those lines. So when you, when you bring that up, I'm like, yes, absolutely. But we have to deal with the lived reality that people are at different levels of depth of experience, of understanding, of um, systems, healing, all of those things. And and the metamodern politics is just low-key, like we have to support socially people to be healthy, whole, healed people. And that's really the first step that we're going to have to take till we can actually exist in very complex realities and move through them Mm -hmm. um, cleanly you know with with yeah. the sort of exactness you know yeah where we go like oh this this way that you're acting oh that's an old wound oh you know about that oh great you know about mm-hmm. that let's work through that together and let's stay in relationship with each other and keep moving so i think all of that's beautiful and again this is where 
privilege and responsibility truly show up where it's like, if you have the privilege to work on yourself, if you have the privilege to investigate spiritual systems that help you understand yourself in the world, that is responsibility. That is a huge responsibility. Yeah. And how can you cultivate that with other people without um, harming yourself, you know, like putting yourself in just the fires of it and trying to fix it. Yeah. That's, that's a little savior energy. Right. Or, and, and so to me, it's always like, how do we find more and more people who are close enough to that? Mm. And we just start building culture together. We yeah. build a culture of care of, uh, whatever we need to feel whole healed and all those things. So we can actually confront those and that'll just grow. It's like osmosis. Like eventually it'll seep out, but if we're trying to force people to do it a certain way and the reality of the situation is going to take a long time Mm -hmm. and we have to have really good stories and really good communal organizing narratives Mm -hmm. to get people on board with that. And then how do you do that without entering into dogma? It's a whole nother question, you know? Right. Right. I feel like when I think about that, there's like so much of that that feels so big. And then also I just remember actually yesterday, like I ran to ran into one of my friends at this restaurant that like is so beautiful and so cute and so new in the city I live in right now that is owned and run and started by my old roommate. And me and my friend sat at this table. And we got into this really beautiful conversation. She had her neighbor who lives behind her house with her. So we're all sitting down together, having a meal that we didn't plan or expect. And we start talking about like, you know, really profound things because that's who we are. And we bring each other concepts that we've never heard before amongst each other that are like, altering us and shifting us in new ways and creating new capacities and new potentials inside of us. And it's like three o'clock on a Thursday, you know? And it's like, oh, that's actually like, I feel like that's what you mean by like organizational structures (laughs) is that. Well, also like bigger structures, but like, I feel like it can be as simple as like sitting down and having like borscht soup with your friends and like meaning it, you know, like we start talking about like whiteness because that's where the conversation led us. Right. My friend is white, her neighbor's white. And sometimes because I'm black, like whiteness comes up and they want to talk about it. I'm usually never the one to bring it up because I'm like, I don't really need to talk about whiteness. But if y'all want to talk about it, we can, I guess. But I felt like it felt consensual and it felt like a great time to talk about how whiteness lives in the body and to stop, you know, you don't have to keep asking me what to do because I don't know what you should do. But I do know that this lives in the body on a nervous system level. And like what we can do is create new stories and new capacities. And like, I don't know the answer right? Like, I don't know all the answers and neither does the person who knows all the answers. They don't have them all, you know, but we do have like new stories that we can seed amongst one another, I think. 
there's a part of me that's like pontificating right now. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what this means fully, but I'm going to say it. Like we can see new stories amongst each other. We can create new capacities in each other by just sharing a meal even. Um, and just like meaning it, like meaning being together, meaning like seeing the other person and seeing them as like an extension of the divine, like, and that's, it doesn't have to be like this high pressure. I have to change the world, but like, I just want to sit with my friend and see them fully. Actually, let me practice that and see where that leads me. Yeah. I think what you're speaking to, there's a couple things here. One is when we get beyond the structures of power, we've kind of moved beyond the postmodern sort of thing, right? Where we're going, um, I'm not expected to show up here because I'm black. I'm just showing up here because you're my friend and I'm black. And so we can have this conversation. Um, but in that is also this reciprocity that's there. Of like, you got my back. I got yours. Of course we can have a conversation like mm-hmm. this, you know? Um, yeah. She was like, have some babka. And how do I like X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, man, I don't know. But like, this is what I'm finding out right now about the body. And this is, I just want to say too, this is the thing that it drives me nuts. People don't understand in reciprocal relating. We do things for each other. Yes. We we yeah. exchange mm-hmm. and we have such a negative view of exchange because of capitalism, because of the ways that it's mm-hmm. manipulated us, all these different things. But like, quite literally, like, let me make you a dinner and let me be vulnerable and or yes. be truth with you. I'm making you a dinner because I want to ask you some questions. I need yeah. some support, but I'm yeah. happy to do something for you. Yeah. Maybe that's not money, but you know, this, so, so I just want to, I want to nourish that. you in exchange. Like, let me like feed you. <laughs> yeah. It, for some reason, it drives me nuts that we get into this idea of like, selflessness is close to divinity and that we should never exchange things. I was like, please exchange, give me a gift so that I go, man, I got to give this person a gift back. Mm -hmm. I really do because they gave that to me and I feel an expectation. I feel, uh, I feel commitment to them. It's Mm -hmm. good. That's why we stay connected. That's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing. I don't know why there's just this like cognitive dissonance that drives me nuts where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give you a gift and I want you to remember me in a year when you see something that you like. That's why I'm doing it because I want to stay connected to you. Of course, yeah. not, it's not because I'm manipulating you or I yes. want something from you. you. We use this language all the time. And I'm like, use me, please give yeah. me, give me something and I'll give you something gladly. You know? So I just, yeah. Wanted to say that there's, there's something there. Well, this is like, so I, I love relating this back to like flower essences because I love flower essences and I'm like studying to practice flower essence therapies. And like, it's, it's like the flowers, like they hold this wisdom on so many levels, like so many levels. It's just like flowers, one are just being themselves and they offer themselves up like in their essence, in their energy bodies, like etherically offering themselves up in beauty and like, you know, sensuality and like experience and all of it. They're just offering themselves to the world. And like, there is no expectation that they will be picked, but they are available. You know, they are so bioavailable for beauty and medicine and nourishment um, for us as humans. And so when a flower gives its essence and leaves its imprint on the water energetically, 
we can take that imprint and we can like multiply it. It is so abundant. Flower essence medicine is so abundant and like it is unable to be extracted from because it's so deeply inherently generous and connected to generosity as like a liberatory act and like, and like, a naming of its own essence. And like, I'm just curious about like, what if we allowed ourselves to exist in this way, you know, amongst each other is like, no, I'm leaving my imprint on the water. Please share, please give. I think social media is like a great metaphor for this. If we can get past, you know, the complexities or not get past them, but like, the things that we create, like the, the barriers that we create around social media, like thinking of, I never think about the, like the, the algorithm or like, you know, the man behind the curtain, because like, he doesn't concern me. Um, but he does. And, but I'm not talking about that right now. What am I saying? (laughs) Um, it's like, it's like, no, like this came like from my, this piece of my this one line of text came from my essence. This is my imprint on the collective water. And this energetic imprint can be shared and can exist in many forms and can be preserved. Please share. It is so generative. It is not extracting from me to be nourished by this one drop of my essence. In fact, take more that is the exchange, like your enjoyment, your nourishment is the exchange. And like, I see that from like, that can, that is felt like that. That's a felt sense, like the enjoyment of it, the nourishment of it versus like the taking and the extracting and the like, you know, weird expectation that you just perform and perform and perform and dance and dance and dance until you're tired. And it's like, well, you need to dance some more because this is how the algorithm works, baby. And it's like, no, I don't need to dance anymore, but thank you. This is unhealthy relating. Healthy relating is like, I dance for joy or I give for joy or I express for joy. And I am my own essence for my joy. And I like this exchange is from joy and from like my 100%, you know, not from my 2%. And I don't feel like conflicted about asking for like replenishment and exchange. Like, Hey, Haley, can I come over for a bowl of like pento beans? Because you make the best. And like, I got to tell you some things that are on my heart. That is just so like, and shout out to Haley. If you're listening to this, I love you, but (laughs) it's just like, that's it. That's the thing. I feel like And I don't even really know what I just said, but. Got you. I I was, (laughs) I'm, (laughs) I got it. Oh man. I I love this because, and I love flower essences as a, as a metaphor for our essence. And when our essence is expressed, it's sincerity. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It's sincerity coming through. We're not performing. We're not doing it because we want something. We're doing mm-hmm. it because this is my essence mm-hmm. and I'm sincerely 
putting it out into the world. And that was a big hang up for me is that I have, I, I feel, I want to, since being sincere is like, that is my truth. That, that is so important for me. And it felt impossible for me to show up online and actually bring my sincerity because of all the, oh, what if they don't like it? What if I'm rejected? What if all these things happen? But again, when I, the second I did it, it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. ooh, people are hungry for sincerity because if it gives yeah. them a little peek into this is what it's like when a person is, is their essence, is living their true essence. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to give a slight reframe on the flower essence that these are these inextricable, complex networks of reciprocity yeah that that flower evolved mutated created some compound in it that became useful to us mm-hmm. and guess what we went to pluck it mm-hmm. and when we started plucking it we started being like i need this flower thank yeah. you god your gifts are beautiful yeah. i need you how can i how can i plant more of you how can mm-hmm. i find where's the best place for the where's the best place for the sun how can i cultivate you how can mm-hmm. I create a relationship with you? You know, and so that's so good. That flower is living its essence out. It's just being it, but it benefits from giving. It benefits from giving because we feed it. I always think about this with like, there's plenty of them, you know, all of the plant medicines, tobacco, marijuana, yeah. all the other ones. All of it. When they're when they're not oriented as an extractive, we need this thing and we're going to do anything possible to, to receive it, if they become successful. As a species, they become successful. Yeah. They get get thrown around the world. They reproduce wildly because they carry such a beautiful essence that is so needed on this earth that we we feed them and we go and we and we take care of them so that they we receive that. Of course, I can get out of control. The Western mind's like, well, how do we maximize that? How do yeah. we pull all of it, extract all of it out of it? Yeah. How do we optimize the body on like it's another conversation that I can't speak into. <laughs> <laughs> but when you were when you were talking about the flower essences, I was thinking that flower is better for is is better off because we are now in relationship with it. And when yeah. I think about cultivating relationship to place, and this is why I'm even afraid of the romanticizing of like just being on being on land or being in wild yeah. places. Most places yeah. aren't actually wild; they've been deeply cultivated by the indigenous people who live there. They're not just magnificent things. We've been cultivated. Yeah. And, and so when I say that, I don't want people to just have nature as the backdrop of their spiritual life, but to go, I'm committing myself to a place. I'm committing myself to this juniper. And, um, you know, I'm building relationship with male junipers. It's something every time I go out, I sit with it. I be with it. There's just something there that I know. And so that makes me feel like, when I see one dying, when I see one, when I see that they're, they're threatened, when I see that their ecosystem, like, well, it becomes, because it's so deeply embedded in who I am, it becomes a crisis of self. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck. If this, cri- if this juniper goes, that's part of me. How am I going to take care of that? Yeah. It's not just there because it's a cool metaphor for my masculinity. It is that. And it also is me. So that's, there's this little, it's, it's this little place of when I create that relationship, suddenly I'm indebted to it, which means I got to do work for it. So that's Mm -hmm. why when we come to these medicines or these ways or these different things and come to place, it's not just so we receive it's, we become committed to them. We have to do work for them. And sometimes we're not ready and sometimes we mess it up, you know? So yeah, 
I just, yep. I think that's all. Oh my gosh. It is a whole conversation. That's a whole conversation. Like I, I just like, I want to talk about like indebtedness and like reclaiming that experience of being indebted to like people. Um, there's like a lot of grief there, you know, and, and like shame, even in my own story of like, oh, like, I'm so sorry that I needed anything. Um, and how do we like reclaim the right to need and have needs? Um, yeah, it's just like a whole, whole conversation. And I will say this is an emotional conversation. I feel myself being really moved. Uh, mm -hmm. Just it's, it's, there's something transits are going on, but the shame piece and the grief must be metabolized. Yeah. We hold thousands of years of shame yeah. for not taking care of the things that have cared for us for so long. Yeah. Like we have held that and we hold it in our body. So we have to be able to go, sorry, like, I'm carrying the legacy of my ancestors and that legacy is not good. I'm mixed. I got, I got the blood of the colonizer and the blood of the colonized in me. Yeah. And I carried the shame and the, and the joy on both sides. I have to metabolize that so that I can actually show up and be in relationship mm -hmm. and try my best. Right. And so when you said the shame piece, I think that, I think that is the biggest thing is that people don't have a context to even understand the deep ancestral generational shame that they hold mm. and how to move through that. They don't even know it's there. It affects them in all these complex ways. And um, to just get to the core of that and then to reconnect and find belonging again, shame keeps us from belonging. Shame comes from that feeling of being exiled, of being not connected, of being uh, disenchanted of not yeah not enchant in song with others right mm. and and so that that we have to move through that shame mm. um and grieve it and be with it before we can even open ourselves up to relating and belonging you know this is so this is so good i for some reason i like learned somewhere that you're a musician are you a musician well i do electronic music i've done okay. that for a long time mm -hmm. nice i am also a musician and like i pulled this card what you just said like just started a whole thread and i'm going to keep it as short as possible <laughs> because time um but like just like there i so i used to perform a lot um and like i toured and actually came through albuquerque once and did that right before the pandemic and I just had this experience of like, I'm writing a lot of songs that like, I just want to sing with other people and that aren't like, you know, the songs that you like perform for people, but are like the songs that you like sing with others. And I don't really know how to like explain that other than like, I just, there's just like this thing about being with and being in chant with like, ah, I just never made that connection. Um, I pulled a card earlier when I was like 
sitting at my altar and it was the art card. And I just immediately made that connection. It's in the Thoth deck. And the in the Thoth deck, the art card is the card of temperance. But the description in the card, I promise I'm making a point. The description in the card, there's like this like Latin inscription that means to go, um, to go into the middle of the earth. And so like this like experience of alchemizing shame and grief and pain into art, this thing that we do around the fire or did once before and something I feel like in a sense, like metaphorically, like this is something I've written in my bios in the past of like, I feel like my guides, my ancestors invite me to like bring souls back around the fire and to be heard and to be seen in the light of creative courage and to be like reborn, remade, redeemed, re-seen, re-known in that light, to be re-enchanted, to be brought back into the song um, that we all know, like this song that we all know that lives, the song is written in our hearts. We all know it. And like, maybe there's like, maybe there's one song per soul group or something, or one song per like fractal, like line or whatever. I don't know, but like, we all know it. It's in our hearts, it's in our chests. Like, and it's like, how do we come back into resonance with that sound that we all know that feels like, like utter shamelessness and the capacity to be fully seen and witnessed in our becoming me that's again comes back to belonging you know i've been working with bill plotkin's book which part of that book club yeah the south facet is the fully expressed belonging mm-hmm. right and so when you when you're talking about this this i just finished that chapter yeah yeah and, and and sitting around that fire and and sharing song is sharing culture mm-hmm. right it's, it's sharing a way of being and so when you say that i think about recontextualizing right mm-hmm. like when we are in relationship that way and we are seen in our fullness and in our truth and in our, our essence and all of those things fully seen um, that, yeah, that there's a different context of where we belong and why we're here and what's going on. So I, I think song and that shared culture of the song is what embeds people into a context that allows them to move out from there and go, these are my gifts. This is my wonder. This is my beauty, my love, all these things that I can now bring mm-hmm. into the world because I have a base. I have a belonging that is, I'm welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah. That umbilical that's yes. directly connected to some, to some place, to some group, to some culture. And, and yeah, as you're talking about that, um, a big thing for me that I, I've just been receiving more and more is it's just the vital, the the vitalness for my health, but I think for all of us of this idea of counsel, yes. of sitting sitting around the fire, of being with each other fully as much as we possibly can, mm. and that doesn't mean we're trauma swapping stories or something, right. you know, which no. that can be there. That's welcome, yes. but also it's about that shared culture. And when I think of singing, is only very recently that I've started to understand the importance of sharing voice with something, yeah. you know, whether that's the fire or another person and, and finding that 
shared frequency together that just, yeah, it, it, it roots you. It brings you into your belonging, brings you into relationship. It, it, it becomes that foundation. So when you say that, I'm like, yeah, that those songs are, are meant to be sung together. And I think music overall is like a beautiful way that, you know, think about fans of artists, you know, all these people who just love these people's songs because they share in something that gives them a connection to identity. I wear band shirts all the time. It's like, that's part of who I am. Those people who created something and we sing that song together. (laughs) But how can we take that a little deeper instead of it being in that sort of abstract media world? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's giving me like watering hole vibes. Like, you know, that's the measure of like, that's going to be the measure is like the watering hole. Is it, you know, does it contain all the characters and all the stories and like all the textures? What I mean by watering hole, I mean like a bar. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like this place where people play music. Is it like, does it feel like homes? It feel like people are able to like be seen and witnessed and relate in like a real way and not just like a yeah, I don't even know, like, just not in, like fake, or like, Perfect, yeah, like perfectionist. Um, but like, we're able to go into deeper capacities with each other, you know, and it, it's not weird. It's like, it's just allowed. And yeah, that's, I'll say the, the last thing there is that, that watering hole, like, the diversity, diversity is a direct, is a direct correlate to the health of an ecosystem. Yeah. So when I think about, you know, that watering hole and the diverse characters that are there Mm -hmm. to be able to come up with a shared song with shared language that pulls from the diversity of that space, that's what we need. We don't need homogenous voices or homogenous ideas or things that are, this is the right way, this is the wrong way, all of this. We need songs that carry pluralities of diversity which are enriching and, and healthy yeah deeply healthy for for us so when you're saying that as yeah that diversity how can we can we sing together in that yeah beautiful i feel like if i don't end the conversation there <laughs> i feel like we could literally go on for a long time talking about all of these things um and we will mm-hmm can we be real friends? Is that like yeah. allowed? Okay. Let's be real friends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Teo. Um, uh, where can people find your work? What's coming up for you? All of the mm-hmm. podcasty questions that make sure we leave, leave people with the info and we can put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Thank you, Daje. It's really, yes, we can be friends. Um, (laughs) And yeah, um, I'm kind of in the middle of a transition. Um, I offer human design readings on different levels, relationship readings in that space as well. Um, I'm also in the beginning stages of creating a community of um, myth menders, fire tenders, uh, hearth holders, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, look forward to bringing that you know, towards the end of spring. Um, I have a course on masculine archetypes and human design and like a men's group 
yeah. space that I'm going to be launching pretty soon. Um, I also have a new coaching system that has a lot to do with what we talked about today that I'm, I'm developing and will be working with some people shortly with. And it, it is around this connecting to essence and then um, working through those things that keep you from connecting to essence, the shame, the grief, those mm. protectors, and then building those myths of that contextualize you and connect you mm. to place and to people and to purpose. So you can show up in the world and do, and do good work, work that's needed while holding the complexity of the whole. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot coming and yeah, I'm, I go by arc remnant or archaic remnant and I have a website, archaicremnant.com and Instagram. So find me there. I'd love to work with folks who really resonate with what, what we talked about today. I love that. Yes. I love all of this. And I will be putting all of this in the show notes for people that easily find Teo's work and um, go follow him on Instagram. He shares some really cool. I think it's really cool. I think it's like, I feel like I found so much permission in your work since I stumbled upon it when you were on Jazz's podcast, like maybe a year ago. And I was just like, who is this person? (laughs) You may not ever pay attention, but to me, but like, I love this work. Like, and I just sent you that message. It was like, I love this. Thank you so much. Still feel the same way. Really like huge, huge voice. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Thank you, Dodger. Yeah, absolutely.